My ladies. And everybody else here not sitting on a cushion. Today, today, you find yourselves equals. For you are all equally blessed. For I have the pride the privilege, nay, the pleasure of introducing to you a knight sired by knights, a knight who can trace his lineage back beyond Charlemagne. I first met him atop a mountain near Jerusalem, praying to God, asking his forgiveness for the Saracen blood spilt by his sword. Next! He amazed me still further in Italy when he saved a fatherless beauty from the would-be ravishings of her dreadful Turkish uncle. In Greece, he spent a year in silence just to better understand the sound of a whisper. And so, without further gilding the lily, and with no more ado, I give to you the seeker of serenity, the protector of Italian virginity, the enforcer of our Lord God, the one, the only. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. You and I have the courage to tell our elected officials that we want our national policy based on what we know in our hearts is morally right. Welcome back to the show, folks. It's great to be back. Uh, This is the Last Stand podcast coming at you from the Carolina Command Center right here down on the ground in the good old USA. I'm your less than humble host, Wild Bill of the Wild Bill fame. You know, I've been away for about a month, um, but uh, you can dry your eyes now for I have returned for yet another rousing rendering of righteous rhetoric for your reception. We're going to talk about a couple of things here that I think are important to you and I. Uh, And as you know, uh, I never really know what I'm going to be talking about until I start talking about it. Uh, But that's the journey, right, that we take together. We have the second primary debate that took place. Uh, We have the so-called government shutdown that's been averted for 45 days. Uh, I'd really like to talk about the Georgia indictment against Donald Trump and get further into that. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got some back and forth that's happening on the book of face with uh, leftists and uh, establishment type rhinos uh, about Donald Trump uh, and their claims that Trump's going to lose this election. Uh, I might talk about that just to get a rise out of the leftists. Okay, uh, you know these these people. You know they, they, 
they, they just don't understand the, the people's support of Donald Trump, you know? These are the same people who couldn't understand why the song Rich Man North of Richmond was a huge success. So uh, we can talk about that. Um, in other news, we have a trans employee of a daycare uh, in California that was producing child pornography and distributing it as if he didn't have enough to be outraged about. Uh, we could talk about that. Uh, probably should talk about that. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how the show goes. Uh, and, and that's the journey that we take together, folks. Uh, you know, the trip can be a winding and rocky road. But the destination is always worth the ride. So, without further delay and without further ado, let's dance. So we are back, folks. Uh, I hope everybody's September was a good one while I was away. (laughs) Uh, I hope your September was at least better than mine. Uh, you know, where, where I was in, I was in Texas at a training event, uh, and it was to say the least, uh, challenging, you know, uh, it was tough. It was tough out there. Uh, but the last couple of days, uh, where I've had a chance to, uh, settle the dust here, uh, I cleaned the house, did the laundry, washed the Jeep, right? Um, I've got new seed, uh, grass seed that's growing now. Uh, you know, I had a lot of Bermuda grass in the yard, and I had a guy come by to kill the Bermuda grass, right? I, I didn't want it anymore, you know, or, or I didn't want it at all, really. Uh, and, you know, September, October, this stuff turns brown, brown, and uh, I wanted to get rid of it. So I had him come in and carpet bomb the, the lawn, Uh, to kill off the Bermuda grass and some crab grass that had started growing out there. And uh, I'm going to tell you, my, my, my lawn looks like, uh, like it has the mange, you know, Um, it's crazy. But uh, the new, the new grass seed is, is now starting to grow. And uh, of course I'll reseed it come spring. uh, So I'll have fresh fescue in the lawn. Um, so there's that. Uh, it's been a good couple of days. I, I've been able to uh, to take care of things here at home and and to uh, just kind of relax a little bit after the after the month long training event that we had. So, uh, what are we talking about today? So I've I've mentioned a few things uh, in the intro there. Uh, one of those things being the second Republican debate that has uh, come and gone, right? Uh, and I'm going to tell you, I'm convinced more now than ever, that none of these cats up on that stage have a fat baby's ass of taking the nomination away from Trump, you know? Uh, now, I, I don't know if you saw it or not, but but it was, um, the debate was on uh, Wednesday, September 27th. Uh, it lasted for about two hours, uh, 9 to 11 p.m. It was one of the ones that was sanctioned by the uh, Republican National Committee, uh, hosted by Fox Business Network, Um co-hosted with uh, Univision of all stations, right? Um, <laughs> I was like, what's the deal with Univision? Why, why is Univision on this thing? Uh, and a lot of people seem to think that it was because, you know, they're trying to get the Hispanic vote, right? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't... 
<sighs> I've got mixed feelings about Univision. But, but anyway, so uh, you had Fox Biz, right, with Dana Perino and Stuart Varney. Uh, Ilya Calderon from Univision. Um, and uh, the, the, the candidates up on the stage uh, were as follows. Doug Burgum of North Dakota. Uh, Governor Chris Christie of New Jersey. Uh, governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, Nikki Haley, who is the former governor of South Carolina and former ambassador to the United Nations. Uh, you had former Vice President Mike Pence, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina. Uh, and of course, the elephant that was in the room but not on stage was, of course, Donald Trump, right? And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, uh, a couple of the candidates actually tried to take shots at the former president uh, for not being there, which, uh, which is interesting. Um, you know, the most vocal about that was uh, Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie, uh, who, of course, does Chris Christie things, right? Uh, he bashes Trump every chance he gets. And um, DeSantis, uh, who for a while uh, seemed to refrain from directly you know, taking on Trump in public, uh, took shots at him for not being there, you know. And Trump, you know, he's been hammering DeSantis for months. So a lot of people were like, well, it's about time, right? Uh, I, I don't know why Trump hammers DeSantis. I, I really don't know why. Um, I've never actually looked into it to see if there's a, a real reason as to why Trump uh, hammers DeSantis. And the only thing that I, that, that off the top of my head that I'm, that I, that I can come up with is because DeSantis uh, has been hailed as the, the one guy who can directly take on Trump, right? And, and a lot of people, you know, support Ron DeSantis uh, because he, he's been a very successful governor in Florida, right? So uh, uh, other than that, I don't know why Trump hammers DeSantis the way he does, but he does. Uh, it's just part of who Trump is, right? Um, you know, <laughs> DeSantis uh, finally took him on at the debate, uh, criticizing him as being missing in action, right? Uh, you know, he, he's quoted as saying, you know who else is missing in action? Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on the stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record, where they added $7.8 trillion to the debt that set the stage for the inflation we have. And, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with that, all right? Whether it's Republican or Democrat, I don't necessarily agree uh, that it's the, the, the president's fault that so much uh, money is added to the national debt. Now, certainly, you know, the president is going to sign into law whatever budget uh, the House and, and the Senate pass. But uh, really, it's on, it's on Congress, Right. I mean, they're the ones that come up with these budgets. So, you know, it's not just the president. It's, it's, it's the government. It's the Congress uh, and the president that have a hand in adding to the national debt, if that's, in fact, what they do. Uh, the inflation that we have right now, um, you might have seen some of that during the Donald Trump administration, you know, right there toward the end of his administration, Um you know, do a lot of it due to uh, what was happening during the COVID thing. All right. But uh, but but you got to admit, uh, Joe Biden, 
since the day he took office and did the things that he did, uh, you know, with regard to the oil industry, fossil fuels, uh, lockdowns, all, all the things that he did in the, in the beginning of his administration and throughout his administration, uh, inflation has just skyrocketed and they've been wrong about it at every turn. You know, so I, I don't necessarily agree with DeSantis when he says that Trump kind of set the stage for all this debt. Right. Or this inflation that we have. But, um, you know, that's Ron DeSantis. OK, he, he took a shot at the former president. And uh, a lot of people are like, good for you, buddy. It's about freaking time, you know. And of course, the other vocal uh, individual about Donald Trump not being there was Chris Christie. And, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's sort of like Asa Hutchison. I, I don't even know why he's there. You know, uh, Hutchison wasn't there at this debate, by the way. But, um, you know, Christian DeSantis were, were pretty vocal about Trump not being there. You know, every one of them that said, where's Trump? You know, why isn't he here to talk about, you know, these issues? Uh, it tells me one thing. They want the man to speak to these issues. Because he was actually successful in addressing a lot of these issues that they're talking about and doing something about it. Uh, despite all of the, oh, the backlash and, and the opposition uh, and, uh, you, you know, kickback that he got from establishment Republicans and the Democrat Party. You know, despite everything that was happening to him, despite everything that they were doing to him during his presidency, he was able to do something about a lot of these issues that they're talking about today. And, uh, you know, at this point, it's really, it's really kind of moot, right, to compare the debt numbers now or the inflation numbers now. Uh, what was Trump dealing with during his presidency, right? And what was Congress doing during those years, okay? We, we had a Republican Congress for a good while there. Um, you know, this, this national debt and this inflation argument is not just something that the president should talk about, but the House and the Senate ought to be explaining themselves uh, to the people about it, right? It's partly why we have a standoff right now with regard to the budget, you know, and the potential shutdown, which incidentally, updated news here, uh, it's been averted for 45 days, okay? Uh, you know, the long and short of it is House Republicans want to reduce this out-of-control spending uh, that, that we have going on in the government right now. Uh, they want to eliminate it, Right. Uh, the reckless spending that's made the inflation rate skyrocket, okay? But, but, you know, Trump's in their head because they know he was able to take steps in reducing the debt and by, by, by you know, kind of jump-starting the economy and making it work. And, uh, you know, I believe that, you know, if Trump was in office today, I think he would have continued those, those efforts, okay? But he's not, and everybody's talking about where's Trump, you know? Uh, you know, Chris Christie, uh, you know, took a shot at Trump not being there. You know, it's just Chris Christie doing Chris Christie things, right? Donald Trump hides behind the walls of his golf clubs and won't show up here to answer questions like all the rest of us are up here to answer. He put $7 trillion on the debt. He should be in this room to answer those questions. And of course, you know, Chris Christie and Don, Ron DeSantis weren't, weren't the only ones, but, but they were the most vocal. Uh, you know, like I said, Chris Christie... <laughs> I'm, I'm not impressed with his record in New Jersey. The man left his office uh, with the lowest uh, approval rating 
you know, at the end of his term. But every one of them that said, where's Trump? Why isn't he here to talk about all this? You know, it tells me one thing. All right. All these candidates uh, want the man to speak to these issues because, quite frankly, he was actually successful in, in, in addressing a lot of these issues and doing something about it. Okay, during his entire presidency, despite all the opposition and and all of the the obstacles that he had and everything that the left was throwing at him, he was doing something about a lot of these issues. Okay, but, you know, you know, at this point, it's kind of really moot to compare, you know, the inflation numbers now or the debt numbers now, you know, um, you know, what was Trump dealing with during his presidency? Okay, Uh, what was Congress doing during those years? Okay, really, this national debt argument is not just something that 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 the president should talk about, but the House and the Senate really ought to be explaining themselves to the people with regard to the debt. Okay, Um, you know, it's partly why we have a standoff right now with regard to this budget. Okay, and the potential shutdown of the government, which, by the way, update, uh, it's been averted for 45 days. Okay, but but, you know, House Republicans want to reduce this out of control spending that we have going on in the government right now with this administration. Okay, they want to eliminate this reckless spending that has made the inflation rate just skyrocket. Okay, but of course, you know, everybody, you know, is talking about Trump. Okay, he should be here to talk about this. Well, I mean, it's a lot more than just Donald Trump. It's a lot more than just the president. Okay, there's a lot of people that ought to be talking about this and the 21 rebels in the Republican Party right now uh, that are really giving Kevin McCarthy a hard time uh, about this this continuing resolution. uh, You know, they're trying to get this out of control, reckless spending that has made the inflation rate skyrocket in this country under control. Okay. now now, as far as Trump goes, if he were in office today, I think that he would have continued the efforts that that he was making during his first uh, term. Okay, but no, everybody's talking about where's Trump and I'm getting the same kind of thing on the book of face, too. All right. These so-called Republicans out there who I consider to be establishment types, anti-Trump types, never Trumper types. You know, they're all saying Trump's obligated to be on that debate stage. He's a chicken shit for not showing up. On the debate stage, you know, he owes it to the people. Uh, he owes it to the people to tell us what he would do differently. What he would do differently. He was elected because people knew that he was going to be different. All right. You know, uh, look, I'd like to see Trump debate the rest of these candidates, too. All right. But quite frankly, he doesn't have to be there. All right. Trump's numbers are so far ahead of the rest of the candidates that it, to me, it's a clear indication that the people know who they want back in the White House. They have a clear comparison to make here. Uh, they, have, they have contrast here. The Trump administration and, and, and what we were doing there and the Biden administration and, and what's going on now. Okay, it's conservatism versus leftism. Okay, socialism. And the people know what Trump's about and they recognize uh, that, you know, during his presidency, they were doing a hell of a lot better than they are now, okay? They also know what's being done to Trump right now, and they recognize why it's being done, okay? All these orchestrated indictments, okay, that's going on right now, okay? Uh, 
they, they, they know what's going on, and that's why they're supporting him as well, okay? They know Trump is going to do what he did the first time, and that's exposing the corruption in the government and in the systems uh, and getting this economy working again, okay? Uh, I, I, you know, I've got these people on the book of face telling me that Trump's going to lose again, okay? People who claim to be Republican, by the way, okay? Uh, you know, they're all telling me that Trump was more of a failure uh, in his presidency uh, then he was a success, you know, uh, it's time for new blood. All right. Uh, they're telling me that I, your less than humble host am completely wrong when I say that Trump is the presumptive nominee and that in a race against Joe Biden, Trump wins. They all claim that the last election was fair, uh, and Trump lost fair and square <laughs> as if the election was fair, right? Look, we all saw what was happening in the contested States. We all know what was going on out there. Uh, serious bullshit that was happening. And we saw it happen with the mystery ballots showing up out of nowhere. Okay. Being counted without observers, without validation. We had, uh, you know, legislative bodies that, that completely neglected uh, their obligation or their duty to uh, legislatively change election law. And they just willy nilly uh, changed it all. Uh, you know, establishment types telling me that Trump incited riots and insurrection. <laughs> I've, I've gone back and forth with these knuckleheads on, on the book of face. And, uh, and I'm telling you, it's quite, it, it's quite entertaining, but at the same time, it's kind of exhausting. Okay. Uh, look, Trump's a known factor. Okay. The people know what he's about and why. Okay. And demanding that he get on that debate stage to tell us what he'd do differently in order to garner your vote or not, tells me that you don't pay attention, okay? That you haven't been paying attention. If you don't know what Trump did or what he tried to do during his presidency, if you think that the American people can't see the clear contrast between two political philosophies here at play, uh, if you think that the only way that the people will vote for Trump is if he promises to do things differently, then you're just not paying attention, okay? You're a knucklehead. All right. And I really have serious doubts about whether or not you're a true Republican or a true conservative. It's the height of arrogance to think that Trump needs to do anything differently. And what that tells me is that those who are saying these things are nothing more than rhino establishment types who want the man to, to you know, to play nice, play ball. Uh, you know, that's not why he was elected. OK, the first time. And it's not going to be the reason people vote him in this time. OK, I'd like to hear him on the stage, too, guys. All right. But already I know where this man is on all these issues. OK, I pay attention to what he says at his rallies. I pay attention to what he says when he's out there, not on a debate stage, but talking to the people. OK, and every candidate up on that stage, uh, quite frankly, is either continuing Trump policies or they're piggybacking on them and continuing that agenda. You know, so so why does Trump need to debate these candidates? who support virtually every policy that he had or every agenda that he had. You know, you tell me, you knuckleheads. You know, if Trump were actually there at the debate stage, okay, the air in the entire room would have just been sucked out, you know, and all attention would have been on Trump, you know. Uh, but, you know, the, 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 the claim that these establishment types are making uh, is, you know, that, that if he respects the American people, he ought to respect them enough to be there at the debate stage, right? Uh, let me tell you something. 
Trump respects the people. We know he does. We saw it every day for four years. Yeah, sure, he was a, he was a Twitter nightmare, okay, at times, all right? And the left went apoplectic every time he posted on Twitter. But everything that he said on Twitter, virtually everything he said on social media, actually turned out to be true. You know, that's why they, they censored him, okay? That's why they tried so hard to censor him and to censor you, by the way, on social media, okay? So, you know, don't give me that, you know, he doesn't respect the people, uh, you know, and he's being a chicken shit and uh, disrespecting the American people by not showing up for the debate. That's horse shit. If you think that, then, then you weren't paying attention. And, and even if he'd been there, you know, these knuckleheads would have been talking over each other you know, like they did anyway. He wasn't even there, and they were doing that. You know, uh, they engage in this kind of, you know, interruption strategy, you know, where they interrupt other candidates and, and try to talk over them, you know, so they can shoot their shot with their canned responses and their one-liners, okay? After the debate was over, Gavin Newsom, who's, who, uh, who's Democratic governor for California, said that it was a total clown show. You know, and, and of course, I'm thinking, you know, that's pretty rich coming from a Democrat clown governor running the state of California, which is an absolute tragic clown show right now. OK, but uh, but you got to admit it's a pretty accurate statement if you watch the debate. You know, I mean, just l- listen to this clown show. All right. This was total clown shoes at this second debate. And, and you wonder why Trump isn't going to show up at this debate. Excuse me, excuse me, thank you for speaking while I'm interrupting, interrupting while I'm speaking. Well, no, you said Bob Payful. If I may finish, you can't be on both sides. Gentlemen, you'll have your turn. One of the challenges, we should have a debate between debate and debate. Everybody knows that. If I may address. Let's focus on holding Joe Biden accountable. That's what we need to be I actually agree with Ron DeSantis. Vivek, if you let Putin have Ukraine, that's a green light to China. To take Taiwan, a win Russia. for Russia excuse is a me. win for China. Excuse me, if you have but a chance, I forgot you like China. Have- I honestly, every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say. You went and you were in business with the Chinese that gave Hunter Biden five million dollars. We can't trust you. Where I voted no on all. I voted on most of things. We've waited, I have voted and nothing has Here. happened. And that's a lot of how this debate went down, folks. You know, uh, the knives continue to be out for uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Okay, I mean, every time this guy tries to get a complete thought out, right, Nikki Haley, uh, Mike Pence, you know, all the others, uh, you know, they jump in like like a yapping dog. Okay, the guy can't get a complete thought out. All right. Uh, You know, Tim Scott gets into it about the damn curtains with Nikki Haley uh, spending fifty thousand dollars on curtains or some some nonsense. Okay. Uh, Mike Pence, he's got a stick so far up his ass. When he tells a joke, he leaves a pile of sawdust on the stage. You know, I mean, I mean, seriously, when you when when you watch this debate, if you watched it or if you watch it, uh, you get you got to ask yourself, why should Trump give any of these people any serious time on that debate stage? Now, I got to be fair. Uh, Chris Christie actually said some things about the economy. Uh, and about why things are where they are in terms of, you know, uh, the debt, the economy, um, inflation. You know, he actually said some things that, that I could kind of come around to. All right. 
Nikki Haley said a few good things, you know, but but despite the couple of things that Chris Christie said that I that I thought I could come around to and, and kind of agree with him on, uh, you know, he just does his normal Trump bashing. OK, that's what he's good for. All right. He doesn't impress anybody with his record in New Jersey. OK. And nobody's phased by this idiotic looking into the camera and talking directly to Trump. OK. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of bold of a single digit candidate to say what he says with the kind of record that he has. OK. Soon to be a two time loser in running for president, calling out Donald Trump and calling him a coward for not showing up. And I want to look in that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching. OK. And you're not here tonight. Not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. I mean, what kind of jack wagon bullshit is that? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just how stupid it got, all right? Go back to the beach, Chris. Okay, just go back to the beach. All right. Uh, Like I said earlier, Nikki Haley did point out some things uh, that I agreed with. um, Even after the the tense exchange between her and Tim Scott early in the debate, when she was talking about government spending, uh, Haley denounced the potential looming shutdown, which, by the way, we've averted for 45 days. She said that. Congress had only approved a budget on time four times in the last 40 years, uh, which prompted some pushback from Scott, who's been in the U.S. Senate since 2013. She's quoted as saying, you look at the fact that Congress has not done anything about open borders. They've spent like drunken sailors and we're dealing with all of these issues and they continue to not fix anything. Nothing gets fixed. And, And that's the issue here. It's not about Tim Scott. It's all about Congress. And now we're looking at a government shutdown, which, by the way, has been averted for 45 days. She goes on to say they need to do their job. The American people are tired of this. Overall, watching this debate, I'm not impressed. Okay, the the only two that I thought that did really any good was Ron DeSantis. And uh, believe it or not, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Okay, Uh, Pence. You're done, all right? Christy, you're not even making it to the on-ramp, buddy, okay? Uh, Nikki Haley, she's repetitive, uh, annoying. She's an establishment-type candidate, okay? Uh, Tim Scott, you're a nice guy, but not today, all right? Uh, Burgum, he's, he's intriguing. Uh, I, I, like I said, I, I, I like what the guy's got to say, but he's not making it. There's no dice for... for for Bergam, okay? Uh, like I said, DeSantis was good, all right? He, 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 I don't think he did anything to pop out or to jump out or, or to uh, seriously advance his cause, but he did pretty good. Um, you know, he stopped the bleeding, all right, from the first debate, all right? Uh, Ramaswamy, he's definitely firm in his stances, okay? Uh, he was good, all right, but, but everyone talked over him. Okay, he couldn't get a complete sentence out half the time. All right. Uh, You know, look, out of all of them, DeSantis and Vivek, they're they're better than the rest of them, but they're not good enough. And this is why Trump's got the lead that he has. You know, people are watching this debate. Uh, They watched the first debate. 
All right. Uh, I, I think if I had to guess, I'd say the American people aren't necessarily against everything that these candidates have to say. I, I, I think that the American people, myself included, think that these are Republicans with different views. OK, um, they, they definitely recognize that the Trump agenda and Trump policies uh, worked during the Trump presidency. And I think they want to continue that. All right. Uh, but in trying to um, show where they stand apart from these other candidates, from each other. OK, uh, they're, 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 they just don't impress anybody. And, and the fact of the matter is, again, Trump is a known factor. The American people know what Trump is about. We don't have to guess with that guy. Okay? And that's why he has the lead that he does. Anybody that says that Trump is, you know, dodging debates or dodging the issues uh, or that he should be on that debate stage uh, and he owes it to the American people because the American people need to know what he's all about. uh, No. Sorry. If you think that, you're not paying attention. There's a reason why all these candidates want to continue Trump policies uh, or want to piggyback on them and continue those agendas. Okay, so Trump's got the lead that he does. The fact is, he's going to be the nominee for 2024. And in a, in a, in a race against Biden, he's the sure winner. So all you rhinos uh, out there, all you establishment types, all you... Uh, never Trumpers out there and anti-Trump people out there and all you leftists out there talking about how Trump should have been on that stage that he's being chicken shit for not showing up, you know, kind of, kind of like Scott Turner on the book of face who I had a long, uh, discussion with about this. Uh, the question for you isn't how Trump would do things differently and how he's going to be different from these other candidates. The question is, How are the candidates going to be different than Trump? And the answer is, they're not. With such a stark contrast between Trump's conservatism and Biden's socialism, uh, his authoritarianism, you think that that, that the American people need to see Donald Trump on a debate stage with these clowns who are merely repeating Trump policies? You know, like I said, there's a reason he's 56 points ahead over every other candidate. And that indicates what the American people want, who they want back in the White House. You know, guys like Scott Turner on the Book of Face. Yeah, I'm calling you out. He insists that Trump is ducking the issues, that he's going to lose in the next election, that his presidency was more of a failure than it was a success. You know, guys like that, you know, I, I get this all the time. I'm a blind zealot. For Trump, I'm in a cult. <laughs> that, that, I, I got to laugh at that because it's precisely what the left says about anyone who supports Trump. You know, guys like Scott Turner uh, talk about how Trump's ducking the issues and that he's afraid. Boy, it sounds a lot like Chris Christie, doesn't it? You know, that guy. <laughs> Borderline Democrat. Here's the thing. If there's one thing uh, that you should know about Donald Trump by watching him all these years, he's not afraid of anyone. Okay, he has literally taken on every special interest and every radical leftist in the system 
and continues to do so. He's up against the entire federal government right now under the Biden administration. He's up against state systems, corrupt systems with corrupt people. And he's not flinching. You might want to take note of that, Scott. So, uh, (laughs) after going around and around with this knucklehead, uh, uh, he just became the subject of ridicule. Um, and of course, like every other leftist uh, or establishment types, he blocked me on the book of face. I consider that to be a victory, uh, so to speak. But, uh, you know, the fact, that, the fact that we have guys like this out there still saying the things that they're saying about Donald Trump, uh, they're what's wrong with the Republican Party today. So... Chew on that, you rhinos. And that's all I got to say about that. And all of this, of course, leads us to the real issue that's at play here. Okay, the real issue that we're going to have to confront. Look, Donald Trump is beating Joe Biden and the Democrat Party in every poll and in the public arena, okay? The bottom line is the people of this country overwhelmingly support Donald Trump now, okay? Even some lifelong Democrats are going to vote for Trump. I mean, did you see the crowd at Trump's rally in Erie, Pennsylvania the other day? I mean, it was massive, folks. And you know there are Democrats in that crowd who, quite frankly, see the contrast between what their party has become what their party's doing, how badly it's fucking up, okay? And what Trump brings to the table, okay? They can see that contrast, all right? But as we know, and as we've witnessed for a good couple of years now, especially in the last year and a half, the left is doing everything they can to delegitimize and take down Donald Trump with an obviously orchestrated attempt at throwing every single charge that they can at him, hoping that one will stick, especially in Georgia, Right. Incidentally, today is the first day of the the, uh, civil fraud case against Donald Trump brought on by uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James, okay, who's a known leftist and racist who campaigned on getting Trump, on bringing him down. Okay. And 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 this case is only like one of 20 legal actions. Okay. uh, That that's in play right now since last year. Okay. Uh, We're going to talk about it, okay? In the next segment, uh, we're going to talk about these cases, the accusations, what's motivating all these legal actions against Donald Trump. You and I know what's motivating these cases, and we know that since the election of Donald Trump in 2016, there's been kind of a political civil war that's been waged in this country, and the Democrat Party is hell-bent on retaining their power, any power that they have in government by way of their deranged sycophants, Okay, Uh, they're deranged supporters in virtually every government agency and, quite frankly, in the public. Okay, and if they're left unchecked here, if this civil war does not result in the resounding defeat of the authoritarian left in the Democrat Party, uh, many people fear that we could see the beginning of an unchecked civil conflict in this country. Okay, so we're going to talk about all that and along those lines. Uh, We're going to talk about these charges against Trump and what we have to look forward to in 2024. 
when I say that this is going to be the most pivotal election cycle, uh, perhaps the most pivotal election cycle in the history of this republic, uh, I know you've heard it before, okay? You hear it every damn election cycle, okay? But I truly believe it this time, folks. And that's why, in the end, it's going to be on us. It's going to be on us to stand strong. It's going to be on us to take a stand, like it's our last stand for our future as free Americans in a free republic. And if we don't take that seriously, I fear the beginning of the end that the left is going to bring upon us will come with a quickness. And we better be ready for what comes next after this election. Because either way, one side or the other is going to be fighting mad, folks. And should Donald Trump become president, you can damn sure bet that our towns and cities are going to relive the days of 2020. Only this time, the good people are not going to have it. And that's where the fight begins. So stay tuned. Stick around, folks. You don't want to miss a thing. Excuse me, Daddy. But I have a note about my hamburger helper. What's wrong with it? Why haven't you eaten any of your food? Well, I was unaware when I ordered the hamburger helper that it would be served to me gray. I do not eat gray food. It is icky. Well, tough shit. Daddy said a bad word. Well, but you had it for lunch yesterday. Daddy said a bad word. Dinner yesterday and every single meal for the past two weeks because you refused to eat anything else. Daddy said a bad word. And look, <laughs> Daddy, you're living in the past. All I know is today, this bullshit's gray and I would get dead by eating it. Then why did you ask for it? Daddy, I don't have the foggiest London clue. What in the world? that you are talking about. So everything's fine then, because you're obviously eating it. Why would I not eat it? I absolutely love Hamburger Helper, Daddy. I beg your pardon, Daddy. This ice cream sandwich here, <laughs> boy, was it delectable. I could use a second. Possibly even a third. Well, the good thing is, is you know what my answer is to that. And the answer is yes, terrific. Please go get them for me. The answer is no, well, that. That right there is bullshit. I mean, after all, Daddy eats two ice cream sandwiches. Mommy says Daddy is getting fat off them. Wait, Mom said what? Well, Mommy said that you are eating more sugar now than you ever have in your entire life. Really letting yourself go, Daddy. <laughs> Simply what Mommy said. But I don't care. Nope, I don't care at all. I love you regardless. I love Squishy Daddy. I am not. Squishy Daddy. Daddy, I don't care that you're squishy. I love Squishy Daddy. All I really care about is having two, possibly three more of these delectable treats right inside of my belly right now. Hey, did you say I'm getting fat? Okay, I got everything. 
Where are your shoes, dude? We're gonna be late for school. I haven't the foggiest London clue, Daddy. Where'd you have them last? Let me think. My spaceship, bud. I'm serious, we're gonna be late. Where are they? Let me confer with my co-counsel, Hobbs. Excuse me, Hobbs. Where was I when I had my shoes last? Yes. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't like being called Squishy Daddy. I know he's soft. Yes, Hobbs and I agree. The last place that I had them was inside my spaceship. You don't have a spaceship, bud. You are entitled to your wrong opinion, Daddy. Okay, I'm serious, dude. You're gonna be late for school, and I'm gonna be late for work. Well, Daddy, it sounds like you're in a real Texas pickle. Okay, were they in the kitchen? Do you have them in your bedroom? Are they in your playroom or something like They were in the box I was gonna take to the dump. Right inside my spaceship. Right where I said I left them. Boy, Daddy, I'll tell you. If you would just open up your ears and listen a little better, things would run much more smoothly around here. Thomas A. Edison, the inventor of the phonograph, has never before permitted his voice to be recorded for the public. Today, however, he has a message for you that is important enough to cause him to break his long-established rules. Mr. Edison will now give you that message. Well, here we are, folks, the next awe-inspiring segment here at The Last Stand, where I, you-know-who of the you-know-who fame, bring you the down-on-the-ground perspective as only I can render it. Of course, I know that I'm merely saying out loud what all of you are thinking, bringing thoughts and perspectives together one episode at a time about the important issues of the day, the things that affect us right here, down on the ground, in the good old USA. And if you're new to the program, welcome to the show. You know, there's a lot of people out there, you know, talking heads on television. You know, there's there's a few on the radio. Uh, there's a bunch of them on daily podcasts, okay? Uh, and they have really good shows, okay? Uh, there's very smart people out there doing the damn thing, all right? Telling you the truth and giving you the honest perspectives that they have about the times we're living in these days. And I count myself to be among them. Not because it's my job or because I'm being paid to do it or anything like that. And I'm, and I'm not bashing those that get paid for it or, or do it for their job, all right? But, but I do it because I believe in the things that I talk about. I believe in talking to you to render my righteous rhetoric from the perspective of a regular guy who still believes in truth, justice, and the American way. So, if you're new to the program, thanks for listening in. Buckle up and hold on to your butts. And welcome to it. Are you there, Sheppy? Yeah, and I'm gonna stay here. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. Dummy.
Well, shit. I was going to talk about the Trump indictment, but uh, as per usual, things move fast in the world. Just as I was pulling out the material out of the stack of stuff, uh, Hamas attacks and invades Israel. That snake in the sand that we basically just got done with over there, once again does what they do and attempts to suck us right back into the fire, folks. Fox News alert, at least 250, and we're hearing reports of even more. Israelis are dead and more than 1,500 wounded after the terrorist group Hamas launched an unprecedented air, ground, and even sea assault on Israeli soil. Israel responded with a large-scale counteroffensive on militants in Gaza City, and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu declaring war, telling his people they will fight to win. When are we gonna learn that half measures and bullshit diplomacy doesn't work on a people who elect terror groups to run the government and who seek to destroy Israel. When are we going to learn that lesson? Of course, we're going to support Israel in every way if it comes to that. I just hope we do a better job there than we did with Ukraine. I just can't believe we're dealing with this crap again. No matter how many times you save the world, it always manages to get back in jeopardy again. I mean, sometimes I just want it to stay saved, you know, for a little bit. I feel like the maid. I just cleaned up this mess. Can we keep it clean for, for 10 minutes? Well, here we go again, folks. Another conflict in the Middle East that threatens to drag us down and threatens to drag the world down in a war that never really ended because we don't do the things necessary to end it or to do the things that would at least bury it for a millennia. On October 7th, the terrorist organization known as Hamas invaded Israel by land, air, and sea, then proceeded into the towns and communities within Israel to commit the most heinous atrocities against innocent civilians that we've seen since 9-11. Tonight, another war in the Middle East. The Islamic terror group Hamas, backed by the Iranians, caught Israel by surprise in the deadliest attack on Jews since the Holocaust. Since Saturday morning's assault, over a thousand dead. Bodies are still being dug out from the rubble. Eleven Americans have been killed. Hamas has 150 hostages. Some could be American. It began three days ago when Hamas fired 5,000 rockets from Gaza into Israeli territory. As Hamas rockets rained down, over 1,000 Hamas terrorists poured across the Israeli border on motorcycles, trucks, boats, even flying in on paragliders. This came on the 50th year anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, where Israel was being besieged by an Arab coalition. Saturday's attack also coincided with the Jewish festival of Sukkot. In the middle of the celebration, radical Muslims murdered innocent men in front of their families, hauling away women and children as hostages. Hamas also stormed a music festival, executing civilians at point-blank range. 
It was kidnapped or be killed. 260 bodies scattered across the desert. Terrorists butchering corpses and parading them around town. Within hours, Israel launched a counteroffensive against these barbarians, quickly mobilizing 300,000 reservists and penetrating into the Gaza Strip. A complete siege of Gaza is now underway, the Strip getting hammered with Israeli artillery. The Gaza Strip is controlled by Palestinians, and they allow Hamas terrorists to operate from that territory. As fighting erupted between Gaza and Israel, Fox correspondent Trey Yinks was caught up in the action. Watch. Uh, stay down, guys. Stay down. Just, I'm just going to show you the scene. Okay, there's still more rocket fire coming off the Gaza Strip. They're firing from multiple directions and trying to get past Israel's missile defense system, the Iron Dome. All of the soldiers and police officers that were here collecting the bodies of the militants and the officers that were inside this building have just taken cover next to us. Guys, stay down. I can see the rockets coming off of the Strip. The Iron Dome, Israel's version of missile defense, was overwhelmed by the amount of Hamas rockets. Hamas is indiscriminately firing into civilian population centers. Israel does its best to avoid civilian casualties. That's the difference. A civilized nation forced to deal with savages who don't follow the code of military conduct. And tonight, Hamas is now threatening to execute civilian hostages and broadcast it live to the world. The Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, promises to fully defeat the terrorists. Israel is at war. We didn't want this war. It was forced upon us in the most brutal and savage way. But though Israel didn't start this war, Israel will finish it. Hamas terrorists bound, burned, and executed children. They are savages. Hamas is ISIS. And just as the forces of civilizations united to defeat ISIS, the forces of civilization must support Israel in defeating Hamas. So why did Hamas decide to strike? Donald Trump's Abraham Accords had sidelined the Palestinians and began normalizing relations between Israel and their Arab neighbors. Joe Biden continued the Abraham Accords, bringing Israel closer to normalizing relations with Saudi Arabia. And the Israeli-Saudi alliance is a direct threat to Iran, who hates both of those countries. So the Iranians, according to the Wall Street Journal, sponsored this Hamas attack using the terror group as a proxy 
to drive a wedge between Israel and Saudi Arabia and re-elevate the Palestinian situation. And of course, it absolutely sidetracked the peace negotiations between Saudi Arabia and Israel, with Saudi Arabia today reportedly opening up talks with Iran and freezing negotiations with Israel. And after this attack, don't you know, supporters of Hamas, the people in the streets of Yemen, in the streets of Iraq, supporters of terrorist regimes, Arab countries hell-bent on the death of Israel, were dancing in the streets and celebrating this invasion and murder of Israeli citizens. I'm smiling and I'm happy. I'm elated. It's a day of courage. Let's quickly go to the first video we have from the Iranian uh, parliament uh, when they were celebrating uh, the invasion of Israel. Now, Joe Biden gave $6 billion 
only a few weeks ago to the Iranians. Look what they did with that money. Once again, another betrayal from Joe Biden's administration. Do you think the Iranians now want peace? Do you think the Palestinians want peace? No, they don't. In the same parliament early today, Iranians were also chanting death to America after getting that money. So, what are we supposed to think about all this? I can tell you that there's a couple of ways people are thinking about this, and the two perspectives couldn't be more opposed to each other. But here we are, once again, suffering the consequences of poor and weak leadership in the U.S. In this particular administration, the Biden administration is completely wrong about the state of affairs in the world, and uh, they were completely wrong about Iran and the Middle East, and the evil of terrorist regimes, and were naive in believing that they could negotiate with these regimes. They were also naive in believing that they had negotiated and, and brought about a, a peace in the Middle East. Less than two weeks ago, Joe Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, spoke at uh, an event, the... Atlantic Festival in Washington, D.C. What, uh, what did he have to say? Well, he's quoted as saying, everything's quiet in the Middle East. And in fact, uh, they were so quiet that he implied that he had stopped paying attention to that entire region. So what did he focus on? Well, in his own speech, Sullivan says that he diverted his attention to topics like climate change in January 6th and how Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. You know, the same old bullshit that the left has been feeding us this whole time. Now, you know, of course we can see how, you know, wrong he was and how wrong his assessment was and how totally incompetent he is. Okay? You know what happened. All right? Hamas invaded Israel. They killed thousands of Israelis. They raped women next to the dead bodies of their dead friends. Okay? They executed elderly people at bus stops. Now, this unbelievably horrific footage is on social media for anyone to see. Now, I will tell you, you'll play some hell finding it on Facebook. Okay, in fact, I think face, uh, not Facebook, but YouTube, I think they took all that down. But I think that there was still some videos that had been posted on X that was still out there. Now, I've seen a couple of them, but uh, but it's out there. You can find it. Trust me. All right. There's no dispute about anything that happened that day, except in the minds of leftists 
and supporters of Hamas and, and so-called supporters of Palestine, okay, because they refuse to acknowledge the truth and instead spew these unsubstantiated rebuttals to the whole thing. And they outright deny that these atrocities happened at all. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of get into that in a minute. But, but there's also no dis- dispute here that the so-called experts in the foreign policy establishment of the U.S. government in this administration have no clue what they're doing. All right. The, 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 the people that we pay, okay, to figure out what's happening overseas, you know, these so-called scholars and Rhodes scholars like Jake Sullivan, we, 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 we pay a hell of a lot of taxpayer money. Uh, to these people to figure this out. And they're completely and totally inept. Okay? They're incompetent. And not only do they have no idea what they're talking about, okay, uh, they also don't seem to really care. Okay? These people are worse than malevolent, folks. Okay? They're malevolent and stupid. Okay? Now, a lot of people point out that it's not America's job to watch Israel's border. Okay, Uh, especially when we're not even watching our own borders. Okay, we're not the world's policemen. Okay, Uh, which is kind of ironic considering the fact that we're still pouring billions of dollars to Ukraine. But at the same time, this full scale invasion of our strongest ally in that region, Israel, seems kind of like something our, you know, these intelligence agencies should have known about. You know, something that we should always be on the lookout for, right? Like I said, we pay these agencies a hell of a lot of taxpayer money, billions and billions of dollars. And you'd think that they'd be using it to find out about things like this before they happen, right? You know, if our intelligence agencies weren't so busy going after angry mothers at school board meetings and obsessing over the climate change in the United States. Perhaps they'd have more time and energy to discover stuff like this before it happens. But again, here we are, right? Hamas, funded and supported by Iran, initiated an unprovoked attack in Israel and proceeded to murder innocent people. You know, this includes women and children, as we have seen in very graphic, videographic evidence. You know, there were babies that were burned, beheaded, mutilated. We've seen it. And the death toll continues to increase and has been increasing and will increase and includes thousands of Israelis dead, hundreds being held hostage, and 27 American citizens dead and 14 or more being held hostage in Gaza. Now, Israel's response to these missiles being launched into the country was more immediate than the response to the actual incursion of uh, Hamas troops. Okay, The Iron Dome missile defense system, which, by the way, has a 90% plus success rate uh, in past attacks, at least, uh, was virtually overwhelmed by the thousands of missiles that came into the country. Inevitably, some got through and caused a hell of a lot of damage and a hell of a lot of death in places like Tel Aviv and elsewhere. Videos uh, seemingly from everywhere and everyone 
to include videos from the murderous Hamas invaders showed Hamas missiles coming into the country and hitting civilian targets. Videos from civilians and and even videos from Hamas show the killing of civilians uh, at a music festival, in civilian homes, neighborhoods, daycares. Hamas parading the dead bodies around and celebrating the murder of entire families, women, children, and babies. These barbarians uh, would record the murders of Israelis on the victim's own phones and then send the videos of the murder to their family members. The depravity of these invaders proved to us once again that the ultimate objective of groups like these and of Arab Islamic countries like Iran is not one of coexistence, but of the extermination of an entire people, namely Israel. And the Biden administration policies, uh, policies of appeasement and their eagerness to do business with enemies of America, enemies of the world, have resulted in our enemies taking advantage of such weakness and stupidity. Now, like I said, Israel's missile defense system went into action and the defense forces and their military began to engage these invaders. Okay. And they killed a hell of a lot of them, but the terrorists killed wherever they could, took hostages to include American hostages and retreated back into Gaza like the fucking cowards that they are. Okay. Proving that, you know, this isn't about land, folks. Okay. This isn't about Palestinian rights. All right. These, these aren't freedom fighters trying to regain their land. Okay. They're murderous thugs bent on the total destruction of Israel and ultimately the West, namely the United States. You know, as, as, as if we weren't pissed off enough about what this administration has been doing in this country and the state of affairs in the world, okay, uh, this shit happens, all right? And the bullshit president that we have in the White House now took 72 hours to make a statement about all this. In fact, during the invasion, he threw a cookout. He threw a party. You, you can't make this shit up, folks, okay? Um, Josh Hawley uh, posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, while Hamas holds Americans hostage, Joe Biden is enjoying a picnic with a live band. Scott Taylor, a former uh, Virginia Republican congressman, added, given recent events, and certainly with the news of many Americans being held hostage in Gaza, I think I would have canceled the White House barbecue with a live band. Benny Johnson of the Benny Johnson uh, podcast uh, is quoted as saying, This weekend, several Americans were killed in Israel, and several more are still being held hostage by Hamas. Today, Joe Biden called a lid, or, or, or I'll, I'll explain what that is in a minute. Joe Biden called a lid at 11.34 a.m. And, and is having a barbecue. <laughs> I mean, like I said, you can't make this up. Now, now calling a lid... Okay, means that that he's you know, the president is not going to speak about anything uh, for the rest of the day. All right. He called the lid on all this and it took him 72 hours to actually come out and make a statement about it. Now, reacting to this criticism, uh, a White House official told told uh, Newsweek magazine 
uh, quoted as saying, President Biden has been consistently engaged in supporting Israel as they defend themselves against these brutal terrorist attacks. It took them 72 hours to come out and make a statement. Sunday morning, uh, he had actually spoken to the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu. Okay, He expressed his deep sympathy for all those missing, wounded, and killed during the unprecedented and appalling assault by Hamas terrorists. Okay, that's, that's what they put out there. All right? I'm going to tell you something. 72 hours later, we heard from this guy. All right? He is an absolute criminal bastard, folks. All right? This administration is absolutely AWOL on this because they know that they've been funding and enabling around with their own ignorance of reality. And then you got the New York City protesters, you know, blaming Israel for all this, right? They're, they're calling this attack just what Israel deserves for the occupation of Palestine and the oppression of the Zionist regime. Israelis and the Zionist pigs finally got what was coming to them. Really? You got 27 Americans dead, and Iran has murdered them through their evil surrogates in Hamas. We should be pissed. And in fact, I think most of America is pissed. And, and as far as Iran goes, for every innocent American killed, we, we should unleash the American wrath on their oil supplies and refineries. We ought to take it all down, folks. We should. But of course, this bullshit president ain't going to do any of that. All right? I mean, you know, this government, this administration, going all the way back to Obama even, has provided money to the tune of billions to Iran. Most recently, $6 billion in previously frozen assets. Okay. Now, there's been quite a few people out there, a shit ton of leftists out there that have tried to distort the truth on this by saying that the six billion uh, was in a bank in Qatar, that it hadn't been uh, dispersed or spent. Okay, that it was only authorized for humanitarian aid and Iran didn't use any of this money for this particular operation. Hey, you dumb asses. When we said that this money that we gave them could only be used for aid to the people of Iran. Uh, Tehran fired back and said that they'd use the money for whatever the fuck they wanted to, and we couldn't tell them how to spend this money. Number two, it doesn't matter that the funds were in a bank waiting to be dispersed to uh, so-called approved vendors. Okay, Iran banked on that money and therefore proceeded to move money around in order to continue funding operations like this one into Israel, okay? You can almost guarantee that this has been in the works for at least the last year, okay? And it's not just that, you know, Iran just cut a check to Hamas after getting the $6 billion guaranteed, all right? Iran funds Hamas and other terrorist surrogates to the tune of $200 million annually, okay? And because this administration lifted sanctions on Iran, you know, they can do stuff like this, okay? And just as it took 72 hours for this bullshit president to respond to the attacks in Israel, it took even longer to refreeze these assets that were meant for Iran. You know, Trump predicted all of this, by the way, okay? That's one thing that the left can't get away from, 
all right? Uh, he predicted all this as it related to the weakness of this presidency, this, this Biden presidency, and the $6 million. The Iranian government masks a corrupt dictatorship behind the false guise of a democracy. It has turned a wealthy country with a rich history and culture into an economically depleted rogue state whose chief exports are violence, bloodshed, and chaos. The longest suffering victims of Iran's leaders are in fact its own people. Rather than use its resources to improve Iranian lives, its oil profits go to fund Hezbollah and other terrorists that kill innocent Muslims and attack their peaceful Arab and Israeli neighbors. We cannot let a murderous regime continue these destabilizing activities while building dangerous missiles, and we cannot abide by an agreement if it provides cover for the eventual construction of a nuclear program. The Iran deal was one of the worst and most one-sided transactions the United States has ever entered into. Frankly, that deal is an embarrassment to the United States, and I don't think you've heard the last of it, believe me. It is time for the entire world to join us in demanding that Iran's government end its pursuit of death and destruction. It is time for the regime to free all Americans and citizens of other nations that they have unjustly detained. And above all, Iran's government must stop supporting terrorists, begin serving its own people, and respect the sovereign rights of its neighbors. The entire world understands that the good people of Iran want change. And other than the vast military power of the United States, that Iran's people are what their leaders fear the most. Crooked Joe Biden just agreed to pay a $6 billion ransom to the Iranian dictatorship in exchange for hostages. This is yet another Biden surrender and a further blistering humiliation of the United States of America to the world stage. But even worse, this decision will be extremely deadly. Biden is giving $6 billion to the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. Just as when Obama sent the Iranian regime pallets of cash for hostages, in the dark of night, remember, plain loads of cash, Biden's ransom payment will be immediately used to stoke violence, bloodshed, and mayhem throughout the Middle East and all around the world, costing countless innocent lives. It's also guaranteed that the fanatical Iranian regime will use this money to advance their nuclear weapons program, putting Israel, the United States, and the entire world in very grave peril. They are reportedly just weeks away from a nuclear bomb, something which would have never happened under the Trump administration. Tragically, Biden's ransom payments also make it dramatically more likely that even more Americans will be held captive in the future, because Biden has shown that he will pay gargantuan sums of money, meaning the kidnappers turn a massive profit. They're making money hand over fist. In other words, Biden has put a bounty on the head of every American citizen abroad. 
Under my leadership, we brought home more than 50 hostages from all over the world, and we never paid ransom money to do it. Not at all. We did it with diplomacy, and we did it through strength. And we will do it again when we are reelected as President of the United States. We will turn it around, and we will make America great again. Thank you. That's what a real leader sounds like. Okay? And we had that for four years. And we're going to get it again. But, uh, you know, when Biden finally did speak, oh, he talked tough, like he always does. All right? He talks tough, like he did on Ukraine, like he did with Afghanistan, except we all know he's full of shit. Okay? But uh, here's what he said a full 72 hours after the invasion took place. All right? And you can, you, you can hear the stark contrast between this moron and Donald Trump. Good afternoon. Today, the people of Israel are under attack, orchestrated by a terrorist organization, Hamas. In this moment of tragedy, I want to say to them and to the world and to terrorists everywhere that the United States stands with Israel. We will not ever fail to have their back. We'll make sure that they have the help their citizens need and they can continue to defend themselves. You know, the world's seen appalling images. Thousands of rockets in a space of hours raining down on Israeli cities. When I got up this morning, started this at 7.30, 8 o'clock, my calls. Hamas terrorists crossing in Israel, killing not only Israeli soldiers, but Israeli civilians. In the street, in their homes, innocent people murdered, wounded, entire families taken hostage by Hamas just days after Israel marked the holiest of days in the Jewish calendar. It's unconscionable. You know, when I spoke with Prime Minister Netanyahu this morning, I told him the United States stands with the people of Israel in the face of these terrorist assaults. Israel has the right to defend itself and its people, full stop. There's never justification for terrorist attacks. And my administration's support for Israel's security is rock solid and unwavering. Let me say this as clearly as I can. This is not a moment for any party hostile to Israel to exploit these attacks to seek advantage. The world is watching. I've also been in contact with the King of Jordan, spoken with members of Congress, directed my national security team to engage with their Israeli counterparts, military to military, intelligence to intelligence, diplomat to diplomat, to make sure Israel has what it needs. I've also directed my team to remain in constant contact with leaders throughout the region, including Egypt, Turkey, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Oman, the UAE, as well as our European partners and the Palestinian Authority. It's also a terrible tragedy on a human level. It's hurting innocent people, seeing the lives that have been broken by this, the families torn apart. It's heartbreaking. And Jill and I are praying for those families who've been impacted by this violence. We grieve with those who've lost their loved ones, lost a piece of their soul. We have hope for swift recovery for many who have been wounded. But we're going to remain in close touch with Prime Minister. I personally am going to remain in close contact with Prime Minister Netanyahu as this situation continues to develop. And let there be no mistake, the United States stands with the state of Israel. Just we have from the moment the United States became the first nation to recognize Israel 11 minutes after its founding 75 years ago. Thank you very much.
you know, this guy doesn't even sound like a strong leader. You know, he sounds weak. He sounds like a doddering old man reading from a teleprompter. Badly, I might add. You know, uh, he's reading something he's supposed to say. All right. But did you notice uh, here and in subsequent speeches here now that we're in like day seven of this uh, of this war? Not once has he or anyone else specifically fingered Iran for doing this, for for being responsible for this, for directing Hamas to do this, for funding them so that they could do this. They haven't called out Iran specifically. Okay. Oh, oh, sure. Uh, you know, they say a lot of people have uh, have been saying, you know, Iran supports Hamas. Okay. But they continue to point out there's no smoking gun that connects Iran to this operation. Well, that's horseshit. Hamas and others have admitted that Iran gave them support and gave them financial support and directed them and guided them in being able to do this whole thing. That's out there, too. But no. We're, we, we don't want to finger Iran in this, do we? Now, let, let's just go on and continue to uh, support Hamas and support these, these Palestinian, the so-called Palestinian cause, uh, and blame Israel for everything, right? Let's justify everything that's happened up to this point. The threat of violence has been building all week, and we saw scenes like this supporting Hamas. We are not going to be intimidated by staying silent when they say Hamas is a terrorist organization. The fact it is not a terrorist organization. Israelis and the Zionist pigs finally got what was coming to them. I think Israel as a state is built on the colonization and apartheid state. So, you know, I don't support violence, but in this case, how are they going to receive justice otherwise? We striked first because we wanted our land back. That was the scene at Hunter College's anti-Israel rally. Israel's foreign ministry and National Security Council issued a warning to all Israelis abroad to watch out for violence. And here in the U.S., Columbia University was forced to close their campus yesterday after a student was assaulted by a woman tearing down posters of the Israeli hostages. I want to remind everyone exactly what Hamas's intentions are, because this here is from Hamas's Covenant of 1998, their founding document. It reads, the day of judgment will not come about until Muslims fight the Jews, killing the Jews. Jihad becomes the individual duty of every Muslim. Anti-Israel forces have lashed themselves up with what I call the 1619 wing of the Democratic Party. And they've made common cause and positioned themselves as the oppressed. And they've lashed onto that narrative. And that just makes them a lot bigger player globally. That's why they're calling it. Hamas doesn't normally do this kind of thing, global jihad. How do you respond when people say, look, these babies were beheaded, some of them were burned to death, there were children that were killed. Why, why not speak out against that and then, you know, protest later? Why protest now? 
because they're already killing hundreds of lives right now, even as we speak. And we're protesting until something ends, something stops for us. Do you care about the babies that were beheaded? No, the babies? they were never beheaded. That was a made-up story. How it's do you not know? true. It's Show me the pictures now. So what about Show 19? me the pictures. You're a lion full of You're full of They did not kill their babies. That is so no babies. There's no validation of that whatsoever. There is no proof of that. Netanyahu is basically running his own narrative of what he wants to excuse himself. How does this end? Killing and genociding and holocausting all the Palestinians. Massive crowds, all in denial, all believing lies. Um, it should shock your conscience. Now remember, this all comes at a time when virulent anti-Semitism uh, has seen a very, very ugly resurgence, not just here in the United States, but around the globe, around the world. Sarah Carter, she was in the middle of all of that, joins us now with more. Sarah, I'll be honest, uh, in spite of all of the evidence, to the contrary, the massive size of the crowd that you have been in all day it is shocking to see people that ignorant, that, that much in denial, that actually, you know, are, really are supporting the terrorist attacks against Israel. And, and they support it with a passion. These supporters of Hamas, the supporters of this lie that Palestine is fighting for freedom and for their land and fighting against apartheid. You know, these people deny the fact that these so-called Palestinian freedom fighters, Hamas, a terrorist group. These people murdered babies. And they justify these acts by saying, you know, Israel's killing Palestinians every day. Israel's subjugating Palestinians and Israel is occupying their land. All of these lies that they support. These people are just pigs. They're complete pigs and liars. Now, let me impart uh, something here before I take a short break. Okay, because we're going kind of long here, folks. Lord Cornwallis of the British armies in the colonies during our own revolution was quoted as saying, history judges us not by the outcome of the war, but in the manner in which it was fought. Anyone claiming to be a freedom fighter, fighting for freedom, fighting for rights and dignity for a subjugated people, lose all credibility and have shown themselves to be liars, murderers, and tyrants, and should have no standing in the world or in history when they resort to the murder of innocent people and, and the murder of infants, documenting their criminal and murderous deeds and laughing about it, celebrating it in the streets. There is zero justification for any cause to include the cause of freedom when the champions of the cause gleefully murder infants and children you know hamas uh the supporters of the palestinian cause palestinians who danced in the streets celebrating this invasion and the attack and the murder of innocent men women and children americans who support and justify the actions of this murderous terrorist group and its benefactor iran have no place in this world and as far as i'm concerned the time for talking with these animals is over it's been over. And they deserve at least a fraction of the pain that the families of Israel had felt and experienced at the hands of Hamas. The absolute absence of decency in these people, especially in America, makes you want to punch these guys right in the face. 
And that's the way it is with a lot of these so-called protesters on the wrong side of the issues. Okay, you take any issue that we're struggling with today and you have people who continually, consistently come down on one idiotic, destructive, oppressive, racist, perverse side of the argument. And what they do and what they say is enough for me sometimes to say that's it. Okay, the time for talk is over, folks. Okay, it's time to fight the fight in whatever form that needs to take. Now, I'm going to take a break, all right? I'm going to take a small break. But uh, before I do, I want to say this. For you people who listen to the show uh, and who are of a like mind, you might be a conservative, a Republican, or maybe you're just someone with some, some damn common sense, okay? All of this makes sense to you, okay? You understand where I'm coming from and why, okay? But for those of you who are decidedly on the left and those of you who are supporters of Hamas, and Palestine, you people protesting in the streets in New York City over Palestine, you, you haven't condemned the murder of innocent people, women, children, babies. But what you've tried to do is justify the actions of a people who have never accepted any two-state solution. You don't want a two-state solution. And quite frankly, the only solution that you guys think is uh, uh, or, or the only solution that you guys want is the extermination of an entire race of people. And that's been the history of the Arab and the Muslim positions since Israel existed in modern times. The Palestinians, and quite frankly, the Arab and Islamic peoples, won't be satisfied until the last Jew and Israeli is dead. And that's all I got to say about that. I'll be right back, folks. You hear so much about what is wrong with Israel, but if you look at the countries surrounding Israel, you quickly see that the situation there is much worse. Lebanon is falling apart. Syria has already fallen apart. Jordan and Egypt are not stable. There is a terrible war in Yemen, and you probably know about the chaos in Iraq, Iran, and Afghanistan. Do you know how many Syrians died last year in the terrible war there? 6,500. Most of them are civilians. That's about 20 deaths a day. If Israel were to kill 20 Arabs a day, there would be violent demonstrations throughout the Arab world and in many European cities. Do you know how many children have died so far in the civil war in Yemen? You can't blame Israel for it, so maybe it is not that important. Now let's talk about the so-called Palestinians. When the British came here at the end of World War I, they basically invented two nations, the Jordanians and the Palestinians, two nations that never existed before. It is very easy to prove that. Name a Palestinian leader before Arafat. Show me a Palestinian coin. What were the borders of this land? The land of Israel has been a pilgrimage destination for 3,000 years. First for the Jews who came to the Jewish temple in Jerusalem, and also in the last 1600 years for Christian pilgrims. Millions of pilgrims came from all over the world to visit the holy sites. Some of them documented their journey. And over these 3000 years, no pilgrim ever reported talking to or seeing a Palestinian. They saw Jews, Arab, Jews, Armenians, but no one ever encountered a Palestinian. 
Even when the Arabs revolted against the British in the 1930s, they themselves called it the Arab Revolt and not the Palestinian Revolt. The name Palestina is not an Arab name. It was given to this region after the Jews rebelled against the Romans in 132. The Romans got so mad at the Jews that they attempted to erase the connection between the Jews and their land. So they changed the name of Jerusalem to Ilia Capitolina and the name of Judea to Palestina. So if you're anti-imperialism and anti-colonialism, you should really be pro-Israel and anti-Palestinian seeing as they got their name from the colonial Roman Empire and borders from the British Empire. The only true Palestinians are those Muslim Christians and Jews who were born under the British mandate. Like my grandmother, she has a Palestinian birth certificate. If you were born after the British mandate, you were either Israeli, Jordanian, or Egyptian. Now you might be saying, okay, fine, but they are still human beings who have the right to define themselves as they see fit, even if they were invented by the British. After all, the colonial powers invented many countries in Africa and the Middle East, and you are of course quite right. They can call themselves whatever they want, but it doesn't give them the right to rewrite history and try to annihilate us. In 1947, the UN proposed that the land be divided into a Jewish state and an Arab state. Again, Arab, not Palestinian. But the Arabs started a war to annihilate the Jews. Luckily, they lost. It is important to clear up another issue here. Up until the war, the Jews had never stolen a single square inch of local Arab land. The Jews bought all the land they settled on until the Arab lost some land in a war that they themselves started. And if you're thinking that many Jews came to Israel as immigrants, you're right, as did the Arabs. Jews arrived by sea and hundreds of thousands of Arabs from all over the Middle East arrived by land to work for the British. Just as today, millions of Arabs immigrate to Christian countries in Europe for work and a better life. That is exactly what happened in the 30s and 40s in the land of Israel. In Jewish and Christian countries, there is prosperity and work, whereas in most Arab Muslim countries, how can I put it nicely, there is less prosperity but let's jump to the 50s and the aftermath of the War of Independence and ask ourselves, why didn't the Arabs in the West Bank and Gaza establish their own country back then? They had 19 years to do that, but they didn't do it. Now, what is interesting is that only after 1967, when the Arabs had threatened to wipe Israel out again and lost again, that they suddenly decided to become a nation state. The Palestinians don't want a peaceful state alongside Israel. They want to eliminate Israel. Now, I will say something that might surprise you. I respect Hamas much more than the so-called human rights organizations that act against Israel, because at least Hamas is a movement of honest. They are extreme people that say what they want. The Hamas declaration starts with the sentence, Israel will exist until Islam obliterates it. I respect them. And so should you. They don't say we want a peaceful democratic state alongside Israel. Maybe that's what some people in the West want them to want. But the Arabs are very clear in their objectives. Even Hamas doesn't claim that it's the Palestinian who will wipe out Israel, but rather Islam. And it is not just their words. It is interesting to see how the Palestinians treat each other. Take Israeli society. 
there are many political, social, and religious tensions between us Jews. But despite these tensions, there have been very few occasions where the tension actually erupted into violence. In Israel, you can have huge demonstrations without smashing windows or burning cars. Only very rarely have Jews killed other Jews due to political differences. And each time it has occurred, Altalena, the murder of Dehan, Tubiansky, Rabin, and Emil Grinzweig, it was a national trauma that we still talk about decades after it happened. The Palestinians have killed thousands of other Palestinians in internal conflicts. Often the Palestinians kill more fellow Palestinians in a single day than Jews have killed fellow Jews over the course of a hundred years. And the way you behave in your house is the way you act outside. A few days ago, a Palestinian terrorist murdered a man and two boys. As usual, the Palestinians celebrated with fireworks and candy in the street. And this is what they published. So what is the solution? Golda Meir, the Israeli prime minister in the 70s, said that peace would come when the Arabs love their own kids more than they hate us. When you see what the Arabs are doing to one another, you know that peace is still far off. The huge amount of violence in the Arab Muslim world, half a million dead in Syria, 350,000 dead in Yemen, violence and upheaval in Lebanon, in Iraq, in Libya, all of this turmoil has nothing to do with Israel and the Jews and everything to do with Arab Muslim values. It is disappointing to see that there are no Arab leaders stating this very obvious fact. Think about it. All the Muslim organizations you hear about in the news, ISIS, Hezbollah, Hamas, the Muslim Brothers, Al-Qaeda, Taliban, organizations that have the support of hundreds of millions of Muslims worldwide, are not big fans of democracy or women's rights. And as far as I know, and I might be wrong, they are not a big fans of the LGBTQ plus community either. Large parts of the left somehow fail to notice it. Instead of demonstrating against the cruel Iranian regime and supporting the brave Iranian women, the mayor of Barcelona last week decided to cut off all connections with Tel Aviv because of Israeli apartheid. Two million Arabs are living in Israel. There are hundreds of active mosques in Israel. Arabs in Israeli parliament and Arabs in Israel's Supreme Court. Do you know how many Jews live in the Palestinian authorities? Zero. Nada. Gurnish. Arabs enjoy more rights in the Jewish state than in any other Arab country in the Middle East. The hatred toward Israel is so strong that the left-wing parties of Europe will cut off Tel Aviv, a city where women are free and gay couples can adopt children, but keep donating to Hamas, which throw gay people from rooftops. It is more than hypocrisy. It is madness. Even if Israel were to disappear from the face of the earth tomorrow, there would still be no peace in the Middle East. And adding another corrupted Arab Muslim dictatorship with no human rights, a Palestinian state will definitely not bring peace and stability to the region. But if you claim to be outraged by what Israel is doing, but you don't care about all the horrible things that are happening just a few kilometers from here, then maybe you are being a bit of a hypocrite. Prove me wrong if you can. Yoo-hoo! I'll make you famous.
Welcome back to the show, folks. Welcome back to another awe-inspiring segment of the Last Stand Podcast. I'm your less-than-humble host, you-know-who, of the you-know-who fame. You know, folks, i got to point out that despite the characterization of Israel and what they're doing and what their history is, and, and, and the characterization of those who oppose Israel's right to exist, uh, I have to point out that Israel has made peace and has normalized relations with six Arab countries. That's right. Egypt, Jordan, UAE, Bahrain, Morocco, and Sudan. That's right. I wonder how many of these so-called supporters know this uh, here in this country. You know, Israel has endeavored to be at peace and to make peace and has made peace with countries and people who once swore to eradicate the Jewish state because that's what Israel's about, folks. But make no mistake, the reckoning is coming. And when Israel goes into Gaza, Hamas is going to have to reckon with their hatred for the Jews because this, I can promise you, Every single Hamas terrorist that Iran has in Gaza is going to die. You know, interestingly enough, Egypt is not taking any civilians that are attempting to leave Gaza. Okay? If you'll recall, Israel uh, sent out mass texts mass communications to the civilians uh, to tell them to get out of Gaza, okay? Or, or they were going to die, okay? Uh, they're trying to get civilians out of Gaza, okay? And Egypt isn't taking any, all right? And, and neither is anyone else for that matter around there in that region, these other Arab countries. They're not taking the Palestinians, but Israel is doing everything it can to protect civilian lives. And, and this is what needs to be understood, folks. This is the difference between Israel and Hamas. Okay? Uh, Israel tries to protect civilian lives, no matter where they're from. While Hamas uses civilians to protect themselves. You know, we, we say it a lot. Okay? You've heard this a lot. Israel uses missiles to protect innocent lives. Hamas uses innocent lives to protect their missiles. You know, I'm reminded of something that uh, uh, the terrorist leader Osama bin Laden once said in, in, a, in, in an interview uh, about the differences between the Muslims and the United States. And, and this could apply to Israel as well, okay? He's quoted as saying, we love death. The U.S. loves life. That is the difference between the two. Folks, Israel definitely loves life, okay? And that's why they sent out these mass texts and mass communications to the civilians in Gaza to get out, okay? And that's why they've delayed the full counterstrike into Gaza, okay? They're trying to prevent the loss of innocent life, not to mention that they're trying to save the lives of hostages that have been taken by Hamas, which includes Americans by the way, which is why this, this, you know, this support for Palestine and support for Hamas uh, and the justification of, of these actions that were taken by Hamas, uh, the support of all this in this country, you know, kind of pisses me off, okay? And it ought to 
piss off a lot of other people too. All right. So what have we talked about here uh, in the last hour? We've been talking about uh, the war that has erupted between Israel and Hamas. Okay. This terrorist regime in Gaza funded and supported by Iran. Okay. And uh, we've kind of touched and, and talked about the absolute morons that are supporting Hamas and Palestine in this country. And the supporters of Palestine uh, and this cause and the supporters of Hamas, okay, are revealed to be, unsurprisingly, groups like BLM, okay, uh, supporters like U.S. representatives, like Rashida Tlaib and the squad. And it appears that uh, some Democrats are willing to excuse the actions, the statements and positions of these Democrats and groups while they talk out the side of their mouths about supporting Israel. In an article that I got from the Daily Caller, um, it's uh, headline, BLM Chicago deletes paraglider tweet, but doubles down on support of Hamas and Palestine. This is an article written by Brandon Poulter. Uh, it's, it, uh, it reads, the Chicago chapter of Black Lives Matter issued a statement Wednesday reaffirming their support for Palestine despite deleting a Tuesday tweet with a paraglider that symbolized a mass terrorist attack in Israel. Chicago BLM posted a picture to Twitter on Tuesday, or or X, I should say, formerly known as Twitter, okay? Uh, They posted a picture that read, I stand with Palestine, and included an image of a paraglider which were used by terrorists to invade a music festival in Israel and kill more than 250 people. After the outrage, uh, BLM Chicago took down the post. And then they they issued a statement that says uh, they aren't proud of the messages that they sent out. Uh, But they posted a different statement on Wednesday, the next day, saying that the people will do what they must to live free. Mm Mm-hmm. They sent out a, they issued a statement saying, yesterday we sent out messages that we're not proud of. We stand with Palestine and the people who will do what they must to live free. Our hearts are with uh, the grieving mothers, those rescuing babies from rubble, and, and those who are in danger of being wiped out completely. I wonder if they mean the Jews or if they mean the Palestinians. You have to wonder, especially with, uh, in light of that graphic that they put up. Chicago BLM then posted infographics on Tuesday depicting two women discussing Hamas, with one of them defending the terrorist organizations and, and, and saying there's disinformation that's being spread about Hamas. The infographic is quoted as saying there's a lot of disinformation being spread about what Hamas is doing based in racist and Islamophobic tropes of Muslims and Arabs. Misinformation with absolutely no evidence. Then it reads, how can you be so quick to condemn an entity you know absolutely nothing about? Such disinformation is being used to dehumanize the Palestinian civilians that Israel has declared genocide upon in Gaza. On another slide, another woman asks, but surely there are other nonviolent methods Palestinians could use, to which the other responds, stop telling Palestinians how to resist. 
This is just madness. This is, this is just, these people are pigs. This is the kind of propaganda that they push. Okay. And it doesn't surprise me that it comes from an entity like BLM. Now, several Democratic lawmakers across the U.S. condemned the original post by Chicago BLM, including Democratic California State Senator Scott Weiner and Democratic New York Representative Jamal Bowman. Weiner's quoted as saying, more advocacy for violence against Jews. This is sickening. Bowman uh, is quoted as saying, this is disgusting. This promotes an act in which innocent civilians were killed. Babies. We need to stand for human life and collective humanity. Over 1,000 people were killed during the Hamas terrorist attack in Israel, along with dozens kidnapped and over 4,500 rockets fired at the country of Israel, according to a Tuesday Israeli Defense Forces uh, tweet. I don't know what you call X postings now, but X, formerly known as Twitter, used to call them tweets. Now, of course, BLM Chicago, being the cowards that they are, uh, did not immediately respond to the Daily Caller News Foundation's request for a comment. Yeah, that's because they can't defend it. BLM is a fascist, Marxist-based, racist regime that feeds on racism. And the side that they've come down on uh, in in this conflict here is the side that kills babies and women and children. BLM's a terrorist group sympathizer, folks. That's pure and simple, okay? Their true colors have been revealed. They were revealed a long time ago. And they can talk all they want, uh, you know, BLM. But they, they shouldn't be given any consideration in any discussion, okay? These lying, crooked, communist, racist organization people. You know, they acted pretty much like the terrorist group Hamas does, Okay, Uh, you know, and how Hamas treats their own people in that they took their supporters money and gave it to themselves. Did it go to any real effort to bring us together? Okay, did it go to uh, any real solutions to any of the issues that BLM claims to have? Nope. They're a bunch of crooks. You know, and of course, you got the the protestations and and these uh, uh, these, you know, these protests happening in New York City and other big cities around the country. OK, uh, New York City um, is is just an absolute cesspool of anti-Israel pro-terrorist supporters. OK, I mean, I mean, there's plenty of people in New York that support Israel. I mean, after all, New York is uh, the largest home uh, apart from Israel of Israelis and Jews. OK, Uh but, you know, these these anti-Israel pro-terrorist supporters, you know, they support the same ideologies that brought the World Trade Center buildings down. And the same people who celebrated the murders of 3,000 Americans on that day dance in the streets today in support of the murder of innocent Israeli women, children, and babies. And 29 dead Americans. Now, like I said, this is not all of New York. Okay, but it's too damn many, especially in the city. You know, it's like, you know, fuck you. You know, how dare you in this country? You know, and even Congress has its own little cesspool of degenerates who support the actions of Hamas, 
Rashida Tlaib continues to fly the Palestinian flag outside of her office. In an article uh, that I got online, Rashida Tlaib, who's a representative, uh, a Democrat representative in Michigan, has been ripped for displaying a Palestinian flag outside of her Capitol office, even after the slaughter of innocent Israelis by Hamas terrorists, leading a fellow lawmaker to formally push to end this silliness. It's not silliness. I mean, I get it, bud, but it's not silliness. This is serious. The article goes on to say, the outspoken squad member who is of Palestinian descent went viral late Monday when a photo of the flag, which was shared by a Washington Examiner reporter, was viewed more than two million times. GOP Representative Max Miller of Ohio was among those who replied to that uh, share, sharing an image showing that he introduced an amendment that would ban foreign flags from the halls of Congress. He's quoted as saying, the Palestinian flag should not have a place here. Instead, the halls of Congress belong to America and should be reserved for flags that embody our great nation. That's why I sponsored an appropriations amendment to end this silliness. Well, like I said, it's it's not just silly. This is serious. On Sunday, Tlaib uh, slammed Israel's occupation policies while saying that she grieves those killed as violence engulfed the region following Hamas's unprecedented invasion of the Jewish state from Gaza. The progressive lawmaker issued the statement decrying Israel as an apartheid state after some of her fellow squad members sparked controversy for urging a ceasefire in the Middle East. Once again, they, they, like always, every time Israel responds to a terrorist attack, you got people out there that are telling Israel to restrain itself, not to defend itself. And under the umbrella of, uh, you know, compassion, these squad members urge for ceasefire. The written statement that uh, Rashida Tlaib issued Uh, that she didn't write, by the way, uh, goes on to say, I grieve the Palestinian and Israeli lives lost yesterday, today, and every day. I'm determined as ever to fight for a just future where everyone can live in peace, without fear and with true freedom, equal rights, and human dignity. The path to that future must include lifting the blockade, ending the occupation, and dismantling the apartheid system that creates the suffocating, dehumanizing conditions that lead to resistance. You'll notice she didn't condemn Hamas. You'll notice that she fingered and pointed out what she thinks Israel's doing. She's basically justifying the actions taken by Hamas. She didn't condemn Hamas. She condemned Israel. You know, it's akin to Ilhan Omar's comment uh, that on 9-11, some people did some things. Ilhan Omar. Yeah, there's another one. Another anti-American, anti-Israel rag that has no business in Congress. It's like Minnesota. What the fuck are you thinking? Oh, yeah. Obama pretty much filled her district with people from Somalia. Remember that? But anyway, uh, moving right along here. Now, people noted that this Palestinian flag that she's got 
has been hanging outside of her office for months. Okay. Uh, back in January, she posted a photo of herself next to the flag on social media while slamming the Israeli government. She's quoted as saying, Palestinians may be banned from flying their flag under an apartheid government, but we can still proudly do it at my office. Which, of course, is complete bullshit. The halls of Congress belong to America. That's damn right. And it should be reserved for flags that embody the virtues and principles of our great nation. She, she, she goes on to say, I'm proud to be a Palestinian American, and I want the Palestinian people to know that not all Americans support apartheid. No one can erase our existence. Yeah, and yet she supports the erasure of Jews. She's supporting people that want the extermination of the Jews. It's kind of ironic, huh? And you know what I say about irony, folks. Irony can be so ironic. ironic. And let's get another thing straight here, okay, uh, from, from this, this statement that she issued. Uh, I want you to know, I despise the monikers that these racists use to describe themselves, okay, like Palestinian-American or African-American. No, damn it. You're an American, period. Okay? And you should act as one. Okay? When you use these prefixes that describe and put conditions on what kind of an American you are, it says something about where your loyalties lie. Does it not? And it furthers an atmosphere of racism or separate identity in America. Does it not? Yeah, I think it does. The Post has reached out to Tlaib's office for comment, but she won't give any further comments, folks. Okay? She says this thing, okay? She says the thing that she thinks she needs to say to get it off her back, but in the same breath condemns Israel and not Hamas. She refuses to condemn Hamas. She refuses to comment on just the utter depravity and barbarism that Hamas displayed when they uh, uh, invaded Israel and attacked innocent people. It's appalling. And I don't know why she's still in office. But wait, there's more. Hang on to your seat, baby, because this one's a screamer. Meanwhile, there's a lot of people that don't believe what you believe, uh, what you just said, Lawrence, is absolutely true. Yeah. And one of them is Rashida Tlaib. Yeah, this, before we play the soundbite, um, Peter Ducey's wife, Hillary, your daughter-in-law. My favorite uh, correspondent on Capitol Hill. She stayed late yesterday because she wanted to get this interview, and she's following her through the hallway, asking her about uh, what we were talking about earlier, all those babies that were um, decapitated. Mm. And um, the Hamas went into their, into their neighborhood and took control of it, the entire kibbutz, which was 1,200 residents. And some of them were beheaded right in front of their parents, and then their parents were killed after the parents had to watch their babies beheaded. So that's what, uh, and then she has a Palestinian flag outside of her office. So Hillary's asking her about, do you condone what's happening? Watch. Terrorists have um, cut off babies' heads and burned children alive. Do you support Israel's rights to defend themselves against this brutality? We're just going to go through here. You can't comment about Hamas terrorists chopping off babies' heads. Do you condone 
what Hamas has done, chopping off babies' heads, burning children alive, raping women in the street. You have no comment about children's heads being chopped off. Congressman, why do you have a Palestinian flag outside your office if you do not condone what Hamas terrorists have done to Israel? Do Israeli lives not matter to you? That should be the easiest question in the world to answer. Are you okay with Hamas cutting off babies' heads. The answer is, that's savage. It's terrible. It's wrong. Did she say it? No. She ran. She retreated to an elevator, and she had her staff, Lawrence, uh, essentially run interference so Hillary's uh, camera person couldn't get a shot of Tlaib not saying the right thing. Tlaib said nothing, which is the wrong thing. Yeah, and she's never met a camera that she didn't like before. She always has something to say, her and the rest of the squad members. But suddenly, they have nothing to say about this. And, and to your point, Brian, you did have AOC that condemned some of the stuff as well. Uh, you did have her talk about the protesters that were racist protesting in New York. But I was on Capitol Hill as well yesterday. I went out there to talk with some of the representatives to say, okay, if Tlaib is not going to condemn this, will you at least condemn some of her comments? Will you at least talk about the Palestinian flag being out there? Will, will, will you at least uh, suggest that the Biden administration freeze the $6 billion to Iran. This is what they had to say. Mr. Leader, should Rashida Tlaib still have the Palestinian flag up? This is America. You're allowed it's to wear the, the flag that you prefer. I think she has every right to have that Palestinian flag. I'm not going to comment on Rashida. She's okay? a great friend of mine. She's Palestinian. She's not Palestinian. She's, she's supposed to be an American. Condones this. She's an American representative. It was uh, reprehensible, and we want justice and we want peace. The Biden administration says six of that six billion dollars can be frozen. Do you think it should be frozen? No comment. Speaker Pelosi, should we freeze that six billion dollars? The Biden administration said we have the ability to do that. Well, I haven't heard that. You're just telling should me. Should we that. do that, Ms. Clyburn? Should that six billion dollars be frozen? The Biden administration said they have the ability to do it. No penny is gone of that $6 billion. Iran should have no support. And we need to make sure that uh, Iran uh, cannot continue to fund these uh, groups like Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and Hezbollah. Oh, man. Lawrence? I mean, just to, just to put a bow, bow on this, guys, the reason why this is important is not just to condemn um, the comments as well as the flag being stationed outside of her office. But to get to the core of it, and we talked a lot, a little bit about the president's speech yesterday, and there was a lot of heart there. But, but the one thing that I, when I talk to my friends that serve in the service, as well as generals, as well, the president did not identify the enemy. He did not address Iran. And you can have heart all day and say that you, you feel for the Israeli people. But to not address the people that helped them coordinate this attack is malpractice. To allow the $6 billion to be out there is still malpractice. And Admiral Kirby knows this, the General Lloyd Austin knows this, but they have been silent from that perspective, Brian. You know, folks, she refuses to comment on the absolute depravity of these uh, Palestinian Hamas in the murder of 40 babies, infants, which speaks volumes. 
she also refuses to comment on uh, where are we at? 29 Americans dead now? And how many others held hostage? And then you got some Democrat jackwagon commenting, you know, she's a Palestinian. She can put any flag she wants outside of her office. It's America. Fuck you. She's an American, an American representative, and in the halls of Congress and at our government institutions, the only national flags that need to be flying are American flags. The fact that she has her Palestinian flag front and center in front of her office also speaks volumes. And, and let me just say, with regard to the money uh, that the Biden administration gave to Iran, the $6 billion, okay, that you heard in this clip, uh, the ransom of $6 billion that we gave Iran in exchange for American hostages, uh, you know, the, the $6 billion that the left has fallen all over itself, you know, Kirby's fallen all over himself to say that the money was not dispersed to Iran, that it wasn't used for this attack, that it was just for humanitarian aid for Iranians, and that it could only be dispersed to approved vendors, whatever that means. You know, they, they finally got around to telling us that the money was frozen again, days and days after the attack that was absolutely funded by Iran. Well, uh, it, it turns out that the bank in Qatar has said no. The money's not been refrozen. They've challenged the statement that the $6 billion was frozen. The money's still available, folks. You know, it's funny that the bank challenges, you know, these assertions made by these people in the Biden administration. And the administration has nothing to say about it. You know, but the, but the fact that we gave them $6 billion, which allowed them to move money and continue to fund terrorists like Hamas. The fact that we lifted sanctions on Iran and allowed them to do what they always do. And that is to coordinate and direct attacks on Israeli citizens in their effort to wipe Israel off the map. You know, that, the, all of this right here is negotiating and enabling and giving aid to terrorists and an enemy. Remember when we used to say that we don't negotiate with terrorists? Well, that's precisely what the Biden administration did. It negotiated with terrorists. And Iran is the biggest one of all. We got to vote every one of these vampires out of office, folks. Tlaib, uh, Cortez, Democrats who justify and offer excuses to what's happened in Israel or, or simply just don't answer on the evil regimes and Islamic terrorists that they gave six billion bucks to in their policies of appeasement. You know, you really have to wonder if they really do support what is good in this world. You know, if they support Hamas and uh, justify the actions that were taken by Hamas, the absolute uh, depraved criminal murderous activity that they undertook when they invaded Israel. You know, if they support and justify those things, you really got to ask, where did their loyalties lie? You know, maybe that guy was right. Rashida Tlaib is Palestinian because she's anything but American. I can tell you that. Rashida Tlaib and her supporters and the morons supporting the attack on Israel proudly fly and wear their flags. 
This is damning observational evidence of Tlaib's implicit support of Hamas and their tactics. This woman hates Israel. She hates Jews. She supports the bullshit terror groups and ultimately Iran. She supports their methods and tactics and actions that they took. Let her come out and say different. Okay? She's not saying anything, which, like I said, speaks volumes. You can't speak to, the, the, to this, the, the murderous depravity in killing babies. And then you want to talk about how Israel is blockading and oppressing Palestinians and that they're occupying their land. And you want to blame Israel for everything. That, that speaks volumes, folks. Same thing with AOC, that absolute socialist buffoon. You know, she's essentially blaming Israel for the plight of Palestinians. You know, the same old fucking tired argument. Okay? And it's one thing not to comment about the depravity of the pro-Palestinian terror group, Hamas, which speaks volumes about your position, but AOC overtly tells us where these leftist socialists stand when it comes to Israel and their right to defend themselves. And you'll notice... That, you know, in, in what she says, that she says just enough to appear somewhat neutral. Sort of like that, that vanilla statement that Tlaib made. You know, she says just enough to appear kind of neutral in this thing. In an article that I found online here, Democratic Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York accused Israel of ethnic cleansing as it strikes back against Hamas after last weekend's brutal terrorist attacks. She's quoted as saying, the United States' responsibility is to human rights. That means supporting the safety of the Israeli people and preventing the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians. In a a video that you can find online, uh, she said, our responsibility is to the stability and security of the region. That means being able to support, support, yes, Israel in its defensive capacities. Now, here's where it takes a left turn. But it also means that the United States has a responsibility to ensure accountability to human rights to prevent the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians and to ensure that horrors do not happen in the names of victims who do, who do not want their tragedy used to justify further violence and injustice. The United States' responsibility is to human rights. Yeah. On Wednesday, uh, Ocasio-Cortez twice used the term ethnic cleansing, uh, basically to snipe at Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina after he called the conflict in the Middle East a religious war, which it absolutely is. Just look at the charter of Hamas. They don't want to coexist with Israel. This is not a land problem, a boundary problem. It's it's a problem of you cannot live in my world. My God determines that you die. The Germans believe that the Jews were inferior people, and their goal in the final solution was to eradicate the Jewish people. Well, Iran and Hamas believes that the Jewish people should die as a result of religious teachings. We're in a religious war here. I am with Israel. Do whatever the hell you have to do to defend yourself. Level the place. All right. As usual, Congresswoman squad member Ocasio-Cortez responded with talking points from the radical left, calling his comments, quote, textbook rhetoric of ethnic cleansing. And then if that wasn't enough, Ocasio-Cortez also tossed some blame at Christians for the violence in the Middle East. 
She's quoted as saying, it's not just Islamic, it's not just Jewish, it's also Christian. In the United States of America, Christian fundamentalism and nationalism, which has also been extremely anti-Semitic, has also aligned itself with some of the most right-wing and authoritarian and inflammatory powers in the region. It's not a coincidence that when Donald Trump was in power, he moved the embassy to Jerusalem. There's a ton of fundamentalist literature around revelations in the Bible that leads people to project, incorrectly by the way. And in another statement, she condemned the invasion, uh, but urged Israel to not retaliate, calling for an immediate ceasefire and de-escalation. I don't know how this woman keeps getting elected. But it's also, I mean, look at the Democratic Socialists of America. Look at their statements. Look at their rallies. Look at the attacks. I mean, they're actually attacking American Jews and getting into fights and screaming matches and defending this. And by the way, you know who's a card-carrying member of the Democratic Socialists of America? AOC. Mm -hmm. You know, that entire squad, they need to sit down and shut up. Hey man, just want to let you know that sometimes you got to shut the fuck up. And this current time is just one of those times you got to shut the fuck up. I don't think you're a bad person. I just don't want to hear you talking anymore. How the fuck do these people profess to represent American virtue and principles as they continue to do, to to ignore the dead here, the innocent dead as they support Hamas and their tactics? as they blame and accuse Israel, and by not mentioning Iran as the orchestrator of this murderous campaign. They're essentially giving Iran a free pass. Michigan, vote that bitch out. And New York, District 14, Queens, Bronx, I don't know how you guys keep electing your socialist representative there, uh, but you get what you vote for. And you elected an absolute socialist idiot. Now, obviously, AOC and Rashida Tlaib uh, and some of these others, they're not the only ones. We've got them out there in the world, folks. You know, we've got Bernie Sanders and Cornell West who said that Israel is guilty of crimes, war crimes, uh, for causing the suffering of the Palestinians because Israel cut off the water, the electricity, and food supplies into Gaza as a siege response to Hamas and their supporters. Israel is committing the war crimes. Are you fucking kidding? You know, I, I see it on the Book of Face all the time. In fact, I, I haven't gotten any posts uh, that defend Israel. Okay, all I all I'm seeing is a lot of nothing out there. And the things that do come up, they're 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 basically defending Palestine or the protesters. But uh, here's one on the book of face that I responded to. Um, It uh, it starts out about 80 percent of the people in Gaza relied on humanitarian aid before the latest the latest war began. And the U.N. Agency for Palestine, or for Palestinian refugees, said at least a million people had not been able to get their food rations since Saturday. Israel has long turned the Gaza Strip into the Warsaw Ghetto. But of course, no one's talking about that. Collective punishment of Palestinians trapped in Gaza does not weed out Hamas. It will only embolden them and their allies. Well, that's just horse shit. 
Okay? Yeah, Israel supplied water and electricity to Gaza. Okay? Israel employed Gazans. Okay? Palestinians in Israel. Okay? And after these attacks by Hamas, killing all these Israelis, and not to mention Americans, okay, yeah, they shut everything down. They're going in after Hamas, okay? You can't let Hamas have these things. Uh, You want to wear them down because you're going to come in and you're going to go after them. Okay, you've got to be able to to stop them from doing what they're doing. And unfortunately, uh, however you look at it, okay, uh, cutting off supplies to your enemy is a tactic of war. And that's precisely what Israel is in right now. Okay, I mean, let's get it straight here. In 2006, Palestinians elected Hamas to run their government, effectively giving Hamas almost all of their ancestral region Philistia, okay, uh, called Palestina by the Romans, okay, hence Palestine, okay. Hamas is funded by Iran to the tune of $200 million annually. It's not that Israel treats Palestinians like shit, okay. It's the Palestinian government, Hamas. They don't use any of that money that they get from Iran to help their own people. They use it to wage war against Israel, And Israel built its fences and walls after ceding Gaza to protect the citizens of Israel from suicide bomber attacks and acts of violence committed by the Palestinians and Hamas. If the Palestinians and Hamas don't like the wall, well then stop trying to kill the Jews. Okay, it's simple. But then again, you know, these people elected Hamas. And after the attacks... They danced in the streets. Israel didn't start this war, but they damn well will finish it. After decades of concession after concession to make peace with the West Bank and Palestinians and and with other Arab nations, this unprovoked attack by Hamas is the last straw for Israel. When you have a terrorist group that's funded by a terrorist nation whose charter proclaims that Islam will obliterate the Jews... And that terror group murders entire families and infants in their home? Well, I guess you get your, uh, your water shut off, your electricity shut off, all right? You fucked around, and now you're finding out. Fuck them, okay? This is what they get. Now, I want to make sure, uh, you know, I'm, I'm quite certain, uh, I want to make sure I say this. I'm quite certain that there are Palestinians who do not support the terrorist regime of Hamas. Okay, there are plenty of them who do work in Israel or did work in Israel and wish for nothing but peace in their lives. But where are they? Okay, we haven't seen them speak in places like New York and New Jersey and L.A. and Chapel Hill, UNC. Okay, Israel has made peace and has normalized relations with six Arab countries. If those six can do it, so can Palestine. In 2023, under the claim that they're fighting for their land, land that they've had since, what, 2005, 2006? Hamas crossed into Israel. Did they attempt to gain control of the land? Did they take the fight to the Israeli government or to, to the army of Israel? No. They went into the homes of innocent men, women, and children and murdered them. And they laughed while they were doing it. 
And then like the cowards that they are, they retreated back into Gaza. These aren't freedom fighters, folks. They're murderous bastards. Okay? And the people of Gaza who elect Hamas to run Gaza, like I said, they danced in the streets. Anyone and everyone who supports Hamas deserves to die over there. Every last damn one of them. You know, when I signed up in the Army National Guard in 2005, I did so because it was obvious that the Great War, this global war on terror, hadn't come to an end and no end was in sight at the time. Okay, Uh, I watched young people enlist and go on over there to do their part to ensure that terrorists would never be able to knock our buildings down again and kill 3,000 Americans ever again. Okay, today, our borders are not secure, despite what the left says. And it's only a matter of time before a cell emerges and tries it again. But I enlisted because I believed in what we were trying to do at the time. I also naively believed that with enough effort and time, Iraq and the Middle East in general would become at least friendlier with the U.S. and come around to the values and principles that the West shares with the rest of the world. Well, I'm going to tell you, it didn't take long for that view to be crushed, okay? And today, it's obvious that these remaining terrorist countries like Iran and the terrorist groups like Hamas and Hezbollah, and honestly, the people of these countries and organizations that danced in the streets on October 7th, 2023, they don't want to coexist with the rest of the world. They want to conquer it and subjugate it. When are we going to learn the lesson? When are we going to understand this? Lindsey Graham was right. They don't want to coexist with anyone. But here we are today, acting like we didn't learn a fucking thing. I can only hope that this administration makes good on its word to support Israel in every way possible. But honestly, we've heard that before. As Ukraine continues to fight for its life against Russia. You'll notice one positive thing about our support of Israel. Military aid is coming a lot faster than it did for Ukraine. Okay? And Ukraine, by the way, is basically a stalemate right now with Russia, still holding on to the lands that Russia grabbed from Ukraine. And we're still sending money, slow-walking military aid, and people are getting tired of sending our hard-earned tax money to a stalemate with no strategy to win. The only strategy that, that, that the Pentagon and the White House seem to have is to bleed Russia, while at the same time, bleeding the American people. What kind of strategy is it to maintain a stalemate? What kind of strategy is that? What kind of strategy is it to continue the flow of my fucking money going into a country that Europe doesn't even care enough about to kick Putin's ass out of there? I'm going to tell you right now, if we're serious about supporting Israel... Uh, this war is going to be ugly, folks. It's unfortunate, okay? It's not something that we want to have happen, all right? But the enemies of peace have made it a necessity, all right? We have to fight the fight. In the days that followed in the wake of this recording, okay, we've learned so far that thousands of Israelis have been killed in their homes, okay? And we've also learned that there are 29 Americans that were murdered by Hamas and that there are likely more being held hostage. That in itself, I think, already merits a direct response from America, don't you think? You know, White House spokesperson John Kirby says that we have to accept the fact and the reality that there are, Amer- that there are Americans dead, 
and Americans being held hostage. No, sir, we do not have to accept it. We know what the reality is, okay? But in no way, shape, or form do we have to accept it. And all I want to hear out of your pie hole is how we're going to get them back. All of them. You know, there used to be a time, a long time ago, when the nations of the earth respected America, when they wouldn't have dared to kill Americans or to take them hostage willy-nilly in the world, okay? Knowing that instead of paying them ransoms, we'd be paying them in lead. Every step that we took in the world was American soil. And the terrorists, they knew it. Today, groups like Hamas, Hezbollah, they don't fear us. They laugh at us because they know that this administration will pay them billions. Hezbollah, Lebanon, Syria, Turkey, uh, Iran, Al-Qaeda of all, of all groups. They're all making noise now about escalating this thing if the U.S. gets involved. And, and this is taking a play straight out of Russia's book in how Russia manipulated us in Ukraine. I can tell you that if, if there had been real American strength and leadership, they wouldn't even have thought about making those threats. But here we are, a compromised White House, a weak-ass White House with weak leadership. America, we better get our collective asses in gear and get our heads right. And we better remember what it is that America really stands for and what it's prepared to do or what it should be prepared to do in the face of tyranny and the absolute barbarism perpetrated by the enemies of peace. Because if we don't, we're going to see this time and again, folks, whereby evil triumphs in the world because we do nothing. I don't want to see America be the world police by no means, but we are the world's superpower. At least we used to be. And we deal with the cards that were dealt. You know, we stand against tyranny and evil wherever it exists, wherever in the world where innocent people are faced with annihilation or even in our own country where our government institutions are compromised and work against its own people. We have to take a stand, folks. And ultimately, that starts right here at home, down on the ground in the good old USA. And that's all I got to say about that. You know, that's actually not all I have to say about anything, you know, (laughs) but I only have so much time, you know, Uh, and I'm going longer than I thought I would. Okay, and of course, in the in in the interest of shortening these episodes from time to time, like I promised, uh, this is where I'm going to basically leave it. Okay, Uh, some of you may be listening to this program, uh, especially you new people out there, uh, and you may bristle at my verbiage and my use of language. Daddy said a bad word. Daddy said a bad word. Daddy said a bad word. And I get it. I totally get it. Okay, but I got to tell you, this program ain't for the faint of heart, folks. I never said it would be. There ain't no politically correct BS going on in here. Okay? So take it with a grain of salt, folks. Okay? It's going to be rough sometimes. All right? And, and, and I'm going to express that. Okay? But if there's one thing that you can count on, it's the absolute truth. And it's the kind of straight shooting that I think needs to be said in the manner of which I say it. Okay? So, uh... So that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) 
but before I go, folks, let me say this. America <clears throat> is facing some serious challenges right now, okay? And it doesn't help our situation when we have mentally challenged people in our government. You know, we got, we have economic problems, social problems, constitutional issue problems. We have entire agencies out there that are corrupt and actively working against the American people in terms of free speech, our elections, our borders, and they've enacted policies that have made the American way of life less than what it was just three short years ago. We have a Republican Party that really needs to unify and elect a speaker so the work of the American people can continue. We face a lot of challenges, okay? And it's gonna take all of us who believe in this republic to start cleaning house and electing people right out of our own towns and neighborhoods. We have to start electing individuals who share our vision, our hopes, our dreams, and our collective determination to hold on to the title, the greatest country the world has ever known. It's gonna take all of us who still believe that, that this country can be saved and that we can reverse our course of decline. I believe that we can change things in this country. We're not lost, okay? We are not irredeemable and we are not deplorable and we don't need to be re-educated. We are the beacon of light and we reside in that shining city on top of the hill. And all we need do is act accordingly because in 2024, God willing, we'll be able to get up, brush ourselves off and begin the real work of restoring the prosperity and peace of the American people. And we can show them the way. And that's all I have to say about that. And unfortunately, folks, it's all the time I have. And we have come to the end of another awe-inspiring, in-the-leftist-democrat-face episode of The Last Stand Podcast with your less-than-humble host, Wild Bill, of the Wild Bill fame. But don't worry, let not your heart be troubled. Dry your eyes. I will return again to offer my righteous rhetoric for your reception. As Rush Limbaugh once said, we don't have to panic, folks. It's never the time to panic. But now is the time to resist the tyrants, reject their lies, rebel against their tyranny, remove the corrupt, and restore this republic.
American exceptionalism has nothing to do with anything but freedom and liberty. Here is what American exceptionalism is. Well, if you know the history of the world, read your Bible. Read whatever historical account of humanity you hold dear. And what you'll read about is human tyranny. You'll read of bondage. You'll read of slavery. The vast majority of the people, the vast majority of the human beings who have lived and breathed and walked this planet have lived under the tyranny of despots. The vast majority. It isn't even close. Most people have lived in abject fear of their leaders. Most people have lived in abject fear of whoever held power over them. The history of the world is dictatorship, tyranny, subjugation of populations. And then along came the United States of America. Pilgrims are the first to come here seeking freedom from all of that. They led an exodus from Europe to this country, people of the same mindset. They simply wanted to escape the tyranny of their ordinary lives. This country was founded for the first time in human history. A government and country was founded on the belief that leaders serve the population. The exception to the rule is what American exceptionalism is. And because of this liberty and freedom that our country exists because the founders recognized it comes from God. We are created with the natural yearning to be free. And it is other men and leaders throughout human history who have suppressed that and imprisoned people for seeking it. The U.S. is the first time in the history of the world where a government was organized with a constitution laying out the rules that the individual was supreme and dominant. And that is what led to the U.S. becoming the greatest country ever because it unleashed people to be the best they could be unlike it had ever happened. That's American exceptionalism. You know, every generation is critical of the generation that preceded it and feels it must discard many of the mores and customs of those who had gone before. Our generation felt that way, and so will yours. But in casting aside the old, don't throw out those values that have been tested by time just because they're old. They're old because their value has been proven by many generations over the years and yes, the centuries. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. America's best days are yet to come. Our proudest moments are yet to be. Our most glorious achievements are just ahead. We just need the courage to share the dreams that fill our hearts, the bravery to express the hopes that stir our souls, and the confidence to turn those hopes and those dreams into action. Inspired by the future, not bound by failures of the past, and guided by a vision. 
We will make America strong again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And yes, together, we will make America great again. America remains what Emerson called her 150 years ago, the country of tomorrow. May every dawn be a great new beginning for America and every evening bring us closer to that shining city upon a hill. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. <laughs>